Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 27 and Luke 24. Uh, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 27. So go to Matthew 24, put something in your Bible, uh, something, uh, the ribbon or something from your Bible, uh, and, then, and then we're going to start in Matthew chapter 27. And <clears throat> as we think about that song that Ashley just sang, He is always good. And the, the, the understood truth in that is he's always good, whether, whether, whether or not we like what he's doing in our lives. Whether, whether you're drinking lemonade or sweet tea, <laughs> if you know what I mean by that. <clears throat> it doesn't matter. He is always, always, always good. And um, <clears throat> last week we celebrated uh, Resurrection Day or or Easter Sunday. We're kind of we're going to kind of backtrack a little bit. We're going to be going back, if you would, um, talking this. We're going to start out talking this morning uh, about events that took place prior to the resurrection, and then we're going to. Uh, end up talking about something that took place after the resurrection. So, in Matthew chapter 27, um, the context of what we're we're, we're going to start talking about is that before Christ died, uh, before he gave his life, he had told his disciples that he would raise again three days later. And the religious leaders, the the Jewish a hierarchy uh, remembered that. So when Christ died and they put him in the tomb, they had a problem. What if, what if he really did raise from the dead? Um, they were fearful um, that it would it would um, uh, solidify his followers uh, to believing what he what he said so in matthew chapter 27 let's start reading in verse 62 now the next day that followed the day of preparation the chief priest and the pharisees came together unto pilate saying sir we remember what that deceiver said Uh, While he was yet alive, after three days, I will raise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until uh, until the three days, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away. And say unto the people, he is risen from the dead. So... the last error shall be worse than the first. So they understood the implications of the fact that if he, if his body disappears or if he does raise from the dead, we're in big trouble. Um, verse 66, or, or uh, 65, that uh, Pilate said unto them, ye have a watch. 
go your way, make it, make it as sure as you can. So they went uh, and made the sepulcher sure, sealed the stone, and set a watch. So now, who was the who were the ones wa- uh, that were doing the watching? Okay, they were uh, Roman uh, uh, legionnaires. Uh, they they were Roman soldiers. They they were not the the typical uh, Roman soldier. These were legionnaires. These were the, for lack of better terms, these were the special forces within within the Roman army. These were the these were the premier soldiers within the Roman army. So now <clears throat> those of us that have been in the military know that. The number one duty of every service person is that when you stand watch, what don't you do? You don't fall asleep. <laughs> that is like rule number one. You, you, you have to stay alert. Now, for the legionnaires, I don't know if it was this way for the whole Roman army. I, I would assume it is, or it was, but... <clears throat> I do know for a fact that for the legionnaires, that if they fell asleep or deserted their post for any reason, they would be put to death. And, and, and normally that death was death by stoning. It was not a, you know, firing squad or, you know, I mean, it was, it was a, a, lo, a slow, painful death. So... That, that in itself is motivation to stay awake. I wish we had that rule for people that fell asleep in church. <clears throat> no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <clears throat> yeah, we wouldn't have much of a church, would we? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's horrible. I, I can't believe it. And I'm on, I'm on the Internet, and that's horrible. <laughs> oh man well at least they ever got a good laugh there. everybody's awake now um, so 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 not only did not only did they set a guard but then they they sealed it okay and and the, the, the seal more than likely was the governor's seal or pilot's seal um, or, or at least a military seal. Now, again, you, you have to understand the culture then. Um, when something was sealed, uh, that seal was, was not broken. If that, if that seal was broken by an individual, um, yeah, it, it was not going to be pretty. Uh, <clears throat> so everybody knew what, 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 was, what was taking place around the tomb at the time. So it's really important. So let's look at verse 28. <clears throat> um, or chapter 28, excuse me. <clears throat> chapter 28 and verse 1. Uh, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and uh, the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was an earthquake, and the uh, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. 
His countenance was, was like lightning, and his raiment uh, white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. So we see here in chapter 28, verses 1 through 6, the resurrection of Christ. And and we see what happens to the, the legionnaires that are guarding the tomb. They became as dead men. In other words, they, they were literally so scared they were paralyzed. And again, these, these are not guys fresh out of boot camp. I mean, these, these are hardened Roman soldiers, and they were scared to death. Let's skip down to verse 11. <clears throat> <clears throat> Now when they were going, behold, some of the, uh, of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were uh, assembled with the elders and had uh, taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this uh, come to the governor's ear, we will persuade him and secure you. <clears throat> the translation of that is we'll lie and, and, and cover for you is basically what they said in verse 15. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. In other words, they fooled no one. They just made an excuse. I want you to think about how ridiculous this accusation is. The disciples, for the most part, were peasants. They were not professional soldiers. And they would never have been able to overpower these legionnaires to be able to take the body of Jesus. So, as the story unfolds, the priest covered the truth to make it as though Jesus' body was stolen and that he did not raise from the dead. But I want to stop here for a second. I want to to look at a very important truth. The gospel rests on two pillars. The first is the death of Christ. The second pillar is the resurrection of Christ. The death of Christ is is non-disputable. There is many, many people saw the death of Christ. So, the death of Christ is, is non-disputable. 
But it's the resurrection, and we talked about this last week, that gives us the power to know that we have victory over death. It is the resurrection that solidifies the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, it says, For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which also... Uh, uh, which which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, pillar number one, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture, pillar number two. See, it is it is both of these things together that equal salvation, that equal the gospel. I don't know if you realize this or not, but Christianity is the only quote-unquote religion that teaches a resurrected founder. Think about this for a second. I have a picture of you for you this morning. Uh, this, this is a picture uh, uh, from Saudi Arabia. There we go. It's called the Green Dome. Uh, anybody know who's, who is uh, uh, buried under the green dome? Muhammad. I mean, you can go, well, I don't think you could go there, um, <clears throat> but people can go there today and worship the tomb of a dead man. Let me show you a picture number two. It's empty. See, our, our Savior lives. Our Savior lives. See, without the resurrection, without the empty tomb, Christianity is a it's a, it's a religion. Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse seven. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. <clears throat> there shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. Mark chapter 16, verse 6. And <clears throat> he said unto them, uh, Go, not uh, uh, frightened. Ye shall uh, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth. Which, is, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where he lay. Uh, Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 5 and 6. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto, unto them, <clears throat> Why seek ye the living among the dead? For he is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you, uh, when he was yet in Galilee. I have a strange question for you. How many of you were alive in 1969? Raise your hand. Okay. <clears throat> About half the room. Okay. <clears throat> 1969. Those of you that were alive in 1969, where were you July 21st? <laughs> 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 I 
Boot camp, okay, okay, boot camp. It was a Monday. Okay. <clears throat> I remember where I was the evening the evening of July twenty first, nineteen sixty nine. I remember that. Anybody anybody know what what is so significant about July twenty first, nineteen sixty nine? It was the moonwalk. Yes. The evening the evening of July twenty first, which was a Monday. My mom and dad are probably going to argue with me, but that's okay. I'm right. They're wrong. Uh, I remember going to Grandpa's house in Long Beach, California that night and watching on television the, the, the landing. <clears throat> I, 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 I couldn't tell you the address of the house, but I remember the house. I mean, it was, I mean this was a super big deal. Uh, I was eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was three. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, I was eight years old. Well, eight and a half, okay, because I was born December of 60. So, anyway. So, um, but it, it, it left an impression. In fact, I have a picture for you to kind of contemplate, those of you that remember this. <clears throat> um, I, I remember it because it was a Monday, and... We never went to see Grandpa on, on a Monday. Uh, if, you know, if we did it, it was always on a weekend. And, <clears throat> but I remember uh, the Apollo 11 uh, expedition. Uh, let, I, let me read you some facts about it. Uh, Apollo 11 was the uh, space, space flight uh, which landed the first humans, Neil Armstrong and uh, Buzz Aldrin Jr. on the moon July 20th. Uh, 1969, uh, the United States uh, mission was considered the uh, uh, the major accomplishment in history of space exploration. Launch from Kennedy Space Center, uh, Launch Complex 39 in Merritt Island, Florida, on July 16th, Apollo 11 was the fifth manned mission and the third lunar mission of NASA NASA's uh, Apollo mission. The crew consisted of Armstrong as commander and Aldrin as lunar module pilot uh, with uh, uh, command module pilot Michael Collins. You know, out of all of that, I always felt sorry for Collins. Oh, yeah, he was the one that had to stay behind. I mean, so, so close, but yet so far. Anyway, um, Armstrong and Aldrin landed in the, the Sea of Tranquility. This is the Sea of Tranquility, if you've ever wondered. Um, and became the first humans to walk on the moon on July 21st. I remember the next day, Tuesday, going back to school. Guess what everybody was talking about? Everybody was talking about it. They landed on Sunday, but the, the walk didn't take place until Monday. And it was televised on television. Neil Armstrong's famous words, uh, that's one small step for mankind, one giant leap for mankind. In fact, my understanding is, uh, many of you probably even used it this morning, 
if you used a microwave this morning, it is a result of the Apollo program. Uh, just, just thought I'd throw that in there. At least that's my understanding. Uh, these guys in the back are going to proof check me, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> to be perfectly honest, <clears throat> I remember going home that Monday evening. And, you know, we lived in Lakewood, California. And uh, <clears throat> I remember pulling up in the driveway and looking up and seeing the moon. And as a little guy thinking, wow, there's somebody up there walking up there right now. I mean, I, I mean, that was just, you know, for my little brain, that was just, that was unbelievable. It is, needless to say, is a day I'll never forget. The story that we are about to read is kind of like that day in 1969. Everybody knew what was going on. Now, I want to take a look at, a, in a, at an event that took place in the afternoon of the Resurrection Day. <clears throat> Two of Jesus' disciples are walking from Jerusalem to a village about seven miles away called Emmaus. And, and they are on what is commonly known as the Emmaus Road. And they're walking along and they're talking and something is about to happen that's going to change their lives forever. Let's look at Luke Chapter 24, start reading in verse 13. And behold, two of them went that day, excuse me, that same day to the village called Emmaus, which, uh, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs, or roughly about seven miles. And they... Uh, uh, talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. <clears throat> Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge our thinking this morning. And Lord, that you would help us, help us, dear God, to be more like you. We are truly, truly thankful and grateful for all that you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, <clears throat> the title of my message this morning is Jesus, Prophet or Lord? Prophet or Lord? Now, <clears throat> the reason why Chris and I were having our discussion this morning about change 
is because there are no points in my message this morning. I usually have points and subpoints and all that stuff. Um, there is none of that. Chris is like, hey, pastor, you forgot to give me the points. I, there are no points. The point is you're supposed to listen. <clears throat> Here we have a picture of two guys that have just left Jerusalem. Now, what, what, had, what had taken place over the last several days. You, you have the, the trial of Jesus and the beating of Jesus that takes place. You, you have the humiliation and all of the, the things that went along with the trial. And then you have the crucifixion. And then you have this, this three-day period where Jesus... <clears throat> was uh, uh, in the grave. And, and, and where were his disciples? They were all hiding. They were, they were all scared to death. Now, I do want to say this so you understand. These two disciples were not the part of the, uh, uh, the apostles. Okay, These were just disciples. They were not apostles. So <clears throat> these two leave and they're, 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 they're pondering, they're talking about what had just taken place. And from their reaction, I, I get the understanding that they had not heard about the resurrection. They had only heard about the death of Christ and the burial of Christ. So here you have these two guys walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And they're discussing all of these things about how Jesus had done nothing wrong. You know, his, his ministry of <clears throat> healing the sick and doing all of these things, raising the dead, was a good thing, not a bad thing. Why and why was he why was he killed? Why was he crucified for for these things? And I can imagine some of the some of the discussion that that was taking place between these two men. But you have to understand something that <clears throat> you know and try try and put yourself in, in in this situation because here you have a a man who was teaching things that was were absolutely revolutionary to to the Jewish thinking. Uh, 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 on the on the Sermon on the Mount, he he gives us what we call the Beatitudes, and it and it and it was revolutionary thinking to the Jews. Let me read these uh, Beatitudes to you to kind of kind of help you understand the the. The, the, the point that I'm trying to make here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, 
for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are, are ye uh, when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. This was crazy thinking as far as the Jewish leadership was concerned. But it was, it was, it was something that the, that the average person could get a hold of. And this is one of the reasons why the, the Jewish leadership was so scared of, quote-unquote, Jesus, because he was pulling people away from the Jewish faith. And his death, no question about it, was what we would call not fair. And, and these two guys are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and they're talking about all, the, all of this stuff. And look at verse 17. Jesus, Jesus comes alongside them and, start, and, and, and joins up with them in verse 17. And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that ye have one, one to another uh, as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was uh, Cleopas, answered and uh, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known all the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto, unto him, Concerning Jesus of, <clears throat> of Nazareth, who is a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Now I want to I want to go back and I want to look at verse 18 because verse 18 is key to this whole this whole this whole discussion this whole this whole part of the scripture. He says in verse 18 and one of them whose name was Cleopas answered him and said, "Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and uh, and hast not known the things which are come to pass in these days. In other words, what planet are you from? Where where have you been? Everybody knows this stuff. It would be equivalent to going to school on July 22nd and a classmate walking in and everybody talking about the, the lunar landing and somebody walking in and saying, what are you guys talking about? What do you mean, what are we talking? We're talking about the guys that landed on, the, somebody landed on the moon yesterday? I mean, I mean, that's how ridiculous it would have been. Because those of you that were alive in 1969, July of 1969, and old enough to remember, Everybody was talking about it because it was a huge deal. And oftentimes, when we think of the resurrection story and the crucifixion and, and everything that was going on with all that, <clears throat> we failed to realize that everybody in Jerusalem knew everything about it. And that the resurrection was huge news. And that the, the crucifixion and everything surrounded th this event 
was common knowledge to everybody. And this guy looks at Jesus and saying, what planet are you from? In verse 19, and he says, what things? Then in verse 19, Cleopas says something. He said, and they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. Now I want you to, if you, if you mark your Bible, I want you to underword, underline the word prophet. Because in their thinking, who was Jesus? He was a prophet. See, their thinking no, well let me let me let me let me back up a little bit. <clears throat> what was a prophet? Have you have you I mean if you know anything about the Bible, you you've 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 heard the, the, the name or the title prophet used many times, particularly in the Old Testament. But what was a prophet? <clears throat> a prophet in the Old Testament was someone who God used to communicate to men. So the a prophet, for lack of better terms, was a mediator between God and men. Um, uh, prophets were often in, in the Old Testament also known as uh, seers. And they were called seers. Um, there's an example of that in 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 9. And they were called seers because they, spiritually speaking, they could see the, uh, the, the insights of God, if you would. God would give them those insights. So spiritually speaking, they were seers. Uh, prophets uh, can be divided into two different categories. Well, actually, three three different categories. <clears throat> the first one is what we what we call writing prophets, and those are those are prophets who uh, books in the Bible are named after. Um, uh, 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 Ahijah, well, that's not, he's, he doesn't have a book, but anyway, Ahijah, First uh, Kings chapter 11, uh, was a writing prophet. Uh, uh, Micaiah in first, uh, excuse me, Second Chronicles chapter 18, verse 7, and Elijah, First uh, Kings chapter 19, verse 16. They, they, these were all writing prophets, and there's there's many others we I could have used. Um, uh, <clears throat> uh, I, I just Totally messed up. Those are non-writing prophets. Totally messed up. Ahijah, uh, Micaiah, and Elisha. The writing prophets, Isaiah, Daniel, Amos, um, uh, Malachi, and, and so on and so forth. So anyway, I got those backwards. And then the third category are the anonymous prophets. Um, there's not too many of those, but in Judges chapter 6, verses 7 to 10, uh, you you can you get kind of get the idea of what I'm talking about. So, a prophet was required to be 
100% accurate in his message from God. Okay? Um, there, was a, there was a penalty called death if a prophet messed up. Okay? So if a prophet was communicating the truth of God, it had to be made accurate. We see this, uh, Micaiah, in 1 Kings chapter 22 and verse 14, uh, and Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, <clears throat> what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. In other words, I'm going to tell you exactly what God told me to tell you. So this is this this is the this is the idea of the prophet. So by these men attaching the title prophet to Jesus, they were paying him a very high compliment in their thinking. You follow me? The conversa- this conversation was, well, in Luke chapter 24, the conversation that he's having with these two men is a conversation that is n- not new to Jesus, okay? This is a conversation that, that, that he had with his, with his disciples previously. <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, uh, it says, When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, his, uh, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am, uh, the, uh, the Son of Man am? Uh, and they said, Some say that thou art, uh, thou, thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So, <clears throat> In, in, in Matthew chapter 16, we see a conversation very similar to the conversation that Jesus is having with these two guys on the road to Emmaus. And Cleopas, I, at least I think it's Cleopas, makes the statement that Jesus was a prophet great in 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 indeed or, or mighty indeed or something something along that line in matthew chapter 16 jesus asks his disciples the very same question who do men say that the son of man am who, who, do, who do people think that I am? Now, those of you that have been here for a while, we've talked about this many times, and I, I don't want to belittle the issue here, but it's an important question that we all need to answer. Then Jesus Well, before I go there. I want to go back to the statement that I made at the beginning about the two pillars. The two pillars of the gospel. The death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. These two pillars are are critical for us to understanding the gospel. And, And who is Jesus? 
Is he a mighty prophet? Is he a great man? Or is he the son of God? See, you have to understand that that question is critical to understanding these two pillars. Because if he's just a prophet, he doesn't have the power to raise himself from the dead. And these two guys walking along this road, they, they, they didn't get it. They weren't there yet. And Jesus, in Matthew chapter 16, he asks his disciples, who do men say that I am? But then he follows it up with another question in verses 15 and 16. And he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. See, if you understand salvation and the two pillars of salvation, the question then becomes, you know, it doesn't really matter what other people think. The question is really, what do you think? Because you are the only one that can make that choice for yourself. Peter knew that Jesus was not a prophet, but that Jesus was the Son of God. But these two guys on the road to Emmaus hadn't figured it out. And as they walked, they walked along this road, look at, let's, let's skip down to verse 28. Uh, and they drew nigh unto the village where they went, and uh, he, uh, he made as though he would have uh, gone further. And they constrained him, and saying, Abide with us, for, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. So here he is. He, he goes in to their house, and, and, he, and, and they, still, they still don't understand who he is. They, they, they still don't get the, the, the understanding of the resurrection. And look at verse 30. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Look at verse 32. I love verse 32. And they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us while he spake and <clears throat> uh, uh, while, while he talked with us by the way and while uh, he opened uh, to us the scriptures. They, there was something about this man that their hearts burned within them. But look at verse 33. And, he, and they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found <clears throat> the eleven gathered together and them that were with them saying the Lord is risen indeed underline the word Lord see just a few verses ago we underlined the word prophet 
But what happened? They realized that he was Lord. They realized that he was Lord, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. What an incredible journey they had from Jerusalem to Emmaus. But it took that journey for them to realize who Jesus was. And oftentimes in our lives, God needs to take us on a journey, does he not? For me, the journey... It took me a while to figure out who Jesus was. My question to you is this. Is Jesus prophet or is he Lord? See, if he's just a prophet, then he's not able to save your soul. But if he's Lord, it completes the two pillars. Peter realized that Jesus was not a good man. He that not not just a good man. Uh, that he was not a, a great prophet, but that he was Lord. Cleopas and his friend figured it out. They were so excited <clears throat> after traveling seven miles from Jerusalem to uh, Emmaus. They turned around and went back. They had to make the journey back at night. Because it, it says that when, when they got to Emmaus, it was getting dark. That's why they made Jesus, they, they constrained Jesus. They, they convinced him to stay because it was getting dark. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 to 8. says, For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, and that he was buried and rose again the third day, according to the Scripture, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then the twelve, after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also. That's Paul, by the way as of one born out of due time. Let's try to kind of bring all this together. We're living in a world today that desperately needs hope. I had a conversation with someone uh, yesterday, uh, somebody who doesn't go to our church, who 
admitted when I was talking with her yesterday, she's like, I am not a religious person. I said, I know that. <laughs> but this is what she said to me. She, she, I, I, made a com- I made a comment about the, the, our world going crazy right now with everything going on. And this, and this is what she said. She said, she said, this world needs Jesus. I said, I couldn't say it any better. And she said, I'm not a religious person, but this world needs Jesus and they need it now. What was she saying? She's saying this world needs hope. Because we, our, our world has no hope. If you, if you listen to the news, which I hope you don't, but if you do, there is no hope. It is bad news after bad news after bad news. It's craziness. Where is our hope? Our hope is in the Lord. Our risen Lord. And that is the only place our hope can be. And this unsaved lady that I was talking to yesterday understands that. I think maybe sometimes she understands it better than many Christians understand it. Who is Jesus in your life? Is he a prophet or is he Lord? It's really that simple. Is he prophet or is he Lord? See, you're the one that needs to answer that question when it comes to salvation. Because Christ died for you and he rose from the dead. And those two things equal salvation. But if Jesus is just a prophet or a good man, you're missing out. So, What are you going to do with Jesus this, this this resurrection season? I know yesterday we celebrate, or last Sunday we celebrated the official resurrection Sunday, but you know the truth is, it's something we need to talk about all the time. And these two guys on the road to Emmaus, walking with Jesus, finally figured it out. And sometimes it's that journey that God needs to take us through before we figure it out. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day.